ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so in today's lecture then we're going to discuss some topics related to Ramadan, some of the virtues of Ramadan and regarding the Qur'an and recitation of the Qur'an in this month of Ramadan. So if we begin with the actual virtues of fasting and what has been mentioned about this act of fasting, Al-Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned he said that you should be aware, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the worships that He has decreed upon us, He has decreed them with absolute wisdom. Every single worship, all of the sharia, all of the legislation, everything is with perfect and absolute wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Including this act of fasting, so Allah didn't just create us and leave us without purpose, didn't create these legislations and rulings without wisdom, rather everything has a complete wisdom behind it. So all of these worships, all of these different obediences, all of the sharia, all of the legislation, it is a test upon us. It is a test and a trial to see who from the servants will fulfill the obligations of the sharia, the obligations that Allah has placed upon us, and those obligations are varied. Allah gave us various obligations in different types of worship, not just one type of worship, but different types of worship, in order to test the people. So there are worships that are physical, like for example the prayer, a person needs to stand, needs to bow, needs to prostrate. That is a type of worship that requires a physical aspect to it. There are other types of worship that have a wealth related aspect. It is related to your wealth, that worship. Like for example the zakat, giving the zakat is an act of worship related to your wealth. There are other aspects of worship that are related to your wealth and the physical ability. Like hajj, for example. In hajj you need wealth to be able to go and perform hajj. But you also need physical ability to be able to travel, to go to the stoning, to go to the tawaf, etc. Physical ability is required as well as wealth. So that is one type of worship too. Other types of worship as well. For example, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed upon us certain types of worship, where they are related to your ability to leave what you desire. Worships that require you to leave what you desire. And that is like this worship of fasting. In this worship of fasting, it is required of the servant that he leaves the things that he loves and he desires. 
from food and drink and intimate relations, etc. All of these things a person leaves them. And as a Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, he mentioned, a person only leaves what is beloved to him if there is something more beloved to him than it. A person only leaves something beloved to him if there is something more beloved than it. So now a person loves food and drink, of course, but he leaves that food and leaves that drink and leaves his desires, even though they are beloved to him, in order for something more beloved to him, which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have the mercy of Allah, to have the reward of Allah, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this worship. So he leaves what he loves during this act of fasting because there is something greater in his love. And that is his love for Allah and the love to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of these different worships have been prescribed upon us in order to distinguish between the servants. To distinguish between them. Because if it was only one type of worship, Maybe some people, they can do that type of worship easily and they do it. And others do not. So in this way, with the worships being varied and being multiple in different types, variations, then the servants are tested across a whole field of things. They are tested across a whole range of different worships, of different types, requiring different efforts. Efforts physically, efforts with your wealth, efforts in leaving what you love. Various types of things are tested from a servant by having these various forms of worship. So here in this worship of fasting, then in particular, the test is there for the person to see whether he can genuinely leave what he loves and what he desires for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whether he can fulfill the rights of fasting. Because the fasting, the rights of it are not simply leaving your food and drink and the intimate relations. It is not simply that. But it is to leave all of that which Allah has made haram upon you. As Shaykh Rabia, Hafizahullah mentioned, fasting isn't just about leaving your food and drink. It is about leaving everything Allah has made haram upon you. And that's why the Salaf, they used to say, leaving food and drink, that is the easiest part of fasting. Leaving your food and drink, that is the easiest part of fasting. The difficulty is leaving the other haram things, leaving the backbiting and the evil speech and the wrong actions and the cheating and the deceit, the backbiting, the storytelling, the lying. They are the types of things that are difficult for a person to leave. Stop eating, stop drinking, everybody does that. But does everybody stop lying? Do they stop cheating? Do they stop deceiving? Do they stop backbiting? Do they stop storytelling? They don't. Many people don't. They eat and they drink, or they stop eating and drinking, but they don't stop their evil actions. And in that case, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ لَمْ يَدَعَ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ وَالْجَهَلِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةً فِي أَنْ يَدَعَ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَةً A person who doesn't leave the evil, false speech, all of this type of evil speech, the lying, the cheating, the deceiving, the backbiting, the storytelling, 
a person who doesn't leave all of that type of evil speech, and acting upon that way of that evil speech, and doesn't leave the jahl, the foolishness and the idiotic behavior, doesn't leave these types of things, then there is no need for Allah for this person to leave his food and drink. He is leaving his food and drink and says he's fasting, but he's still carrying on with all of his evil sins and evil deeds. The point of the fasting is that you leave those evil sins and those evil deeds. That's why Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصَّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبَلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Oh you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you, just as it was prescribed upon those who came before you. And why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety, you may achieve taqwa through this fasting. And that is something from the objectives of fasting. To achieve taqwa, to increase in your iman, to increase in your obedience and worship, and to come out at the end of Ramadan in a better state than what you entered into it. Because if you come out of it at the end in the same way as you were when you started Ramadan, then you have not really benefited from Ramadan. You have not really benefited. That is really a calamity, a disaster. That a person goes into Ramadan with all of his sins and his wrongs, and he comes out at the end of Ramadan still doing all of those sins and all of those wrongs. Rather, Allah tells you the purpose of Ramadan, of fasting, is to achieve taqwa, to achieve piety, righteousness, to abandon those sins that you were upon, to abandon the wrongdoings that you were upon. As for a person only making intention to stop his evil deeds in the month of Ramadan, and having it in his mind that he will go back to them after Ramadan, then even that, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, is not a sincere repentance. You are not sincerely repenting in reality, if your intention is to stop the evil deeds in Ramadan, but then you'll go back to them again after Ramadan. Rather what is required is that a person benefits from this month, seeks closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this great worship. This is a worship, it is an obedience to Allah. A person takes satisfaction from worshipping Allah. Not that a person considers this Ramadan to be a punishment upon him that he has to starve. Hence it is mentioned, Ramadan is not ta'zeeb. It is not ta'zeeb. It is tahzeeb. Ramadan is not ta'zeeb. It is tahzeeb. Meaning it is not punishment upon you. Ramadan isn't a punishment. It's not something that is a difficulty. You starve like a punishment upon you for this month. It is not that. It is tahzeeb. It is to rectify you. It is for the purpose of rectification and purification. Not punishment. This fasting brings about rectification in you. It brings about purification in you. It brings about the goodness and the correctness of your soul, rather than the evil. And that's why Shaykh Al-Athaymin gave an example, that this fasting helps you to gain patience. This fasting helps you and aids you 
in trying to be patient and controlling your soul. And he gives the example of like the reins, the reins of a horse, the ropes that you control the horse, the, the horse with. Those reins that you control the horse with, if you keep a grip of them, you can direct the horse where you want. The same with your soul. You keep a grip of the ropes of the reins upon your soul, you can direct it to goodness and keep it in check. But if you let go of those ropes, of those reins, then your soul will go to wherever it wants to go. And it is amara bisu. It desires to go to the evil and the haram. So it will take you to those things if you do not grab those ropes and those reins and keep it in check. So this fasting helps you to do that. It gives you patience and control over your soul and the desire to go to evil. So you can hold those reins and take it to good and control it from going to the evil. Hence the scholars also mention that this month, when the narration was mentioned about the doors or the gates to paradise being opened in this month, and the doors to hellfire being closed in this month, and the shayateen being chained in this month. The scholars, they say, the gates to paradise are opened in this month because of the great number of good deeds that are being done by the believers. No doubt the believers, they strive in this month to do their righteousness and their goodness. So a great deal of that righteousness and goodness occurs in this month. So the gates of paradise are opened for the believers as an encouragement further to them. And the gates of hellfire are closed because of the little amount of sin that is done from the believers in this month. Their sinning, it decreases. And their sinning, it comes to a halt and a stop. So the gates of paradise are closed. And the shayateen, they are chained up. And that aids a believer further in doing goodness and staying away from haram. Also the scholars, they mention when a person fasts, then his vessels, his veins and arteries that the blood flows in, they become constricted, they become tightened due to a lack of food and a lack of water. So as a consequence, the flow of the shaitan in his body becomes tightened. Why? Because it mentions in a narration, إِنَّ shaitan يَجْرِي مِنْ إِبْنِ آدَمْ the shaitan flows through the sons of Adam just like the blood flows through the sons of Adam. And so when the veins and the arteries are restricted, the flow of the shaitan through the veins and the arteries of that person is also restricted, constricted, cannot flow through as he would have done otherwise. Also from the virtues of this fasting is that a person his mind becomes free to focus on worship. Because your mind is no longer focused on food. You know you're not having lunch today, there is no lunch, you're fasting. So you don't have to think about that. Don't have to think about where are we going to eat, what are we going to do. You know there's no snacks this afternoon, there's not allowed. So you're not going to be thinking about that, what am I going to have, which shop am I going to go, what am I going to buy. None of those thoughts come to you. They're not thoughts that you can give any thought to, because you're not having any lunch, you're not having any snacks. So those types of things, they're not preoccupying your mind, because you can't do them. So your mind is now free to focus on other things. 
food and drink, all of these things are out of your mind for the day. You can't have any, so there's no point trying to think about what to do with it. So instead you focus on your worship and you focus on the remembrance of Allah. You focus on the recitation of the Qur'an. And that is what we'll mention now with regards to the recitation of the Qur'an. No doubt this is the month of the Qur'an. And the Salaf, they used to focus on the Qur'an a great deal in this particular month. And we mentioned this last time briefly regarding the Qur'an and how a person needs to focus on the Qur'an and read it and understand it and contemplate upon it and memorize it and act upon it. Those five things that Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentioned. Read the Qur'an, understand the Qur'an, memorize the Qur'an, act upon the Qur'an, and have the right aqidah regarding the Qur'an. That it is the speech of Allah. Allah spoke the Qur'an. Jibreel alayhi salam heard that from Allah. Heard Allah. Allah spoke it. And Jibreel heard it. And then he went and gave it to the Prophet ﷺ, taught him. And then the Prophet ﷺ taught everyone, and now we have it. That exact Qur'an, the speech of Allah, not created. So to have those five points in mind regarding the Qur'an. Also, there are very many narrations that talk about the virtues of it. خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ In one narration, it is mentioned in the hadith of Al-Bukhari from Uthman ibn Affan, رضي الله عنه, the best of you is the one who learns the Qur'an and teaches it. The best of you is the one who learns the Qur'an, learns the Qur'an, educates himself upon the Qur'an. And then teaches it to the people also sincerely for the sake of Allah. In another narration of Aisha radiallahu anha in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Al-Mahir bil-Qur'an ma'a safarat al-kiram al-barara, wal-ladhi yaqra'u al-Qur'an wa yata'ata'u fihi wa huwa alayhi shaqun lahu ajran. That the one who is proficient in reading the Qur'an, you are good and quick and fluid, fluent, in reading the Qur'an, proficient in reading the Qur'an, then you will be with the noble, righteous uh, scribes of Allah, meaning the angels. You will be with the righteous, noble scribes of Allah, the angels. The one who is proficient and good at reading the Qur'an, and he reads it. But as for the one who recites the Qur'an, and he struggles, and he stutters, he is trying to read the Qur'an, making the effort to read the Qur'an. But he struggles in the recitation of the Qur'an. And he stutters when trying to read the Qur'an. So it's difficult for him. He has to struggle to get through it. Has to put in a lot of effort to be able to read through those words and those ayat. For this type of person in the hadith it mentions, he'll get two rewards. One for making the effort putting in all of that effort to try and read, burdening that difficulty and hardship, but striving nevertheless. And secondly, for actually reading it. Two rewards for that person, one for reading it, and one for all of the difficulty that he burdens and stays patient upon in trying to read, trying to learn, trying to put those words together and understand. Puts the effort in. Gets a teacher, learns from the teacher, strives, listens to the CDs, learns. He puts the effort in to try and read. Then there will be two rewards for that person. One for his effort and one for the actual reading. So that is another great virtue of the recitation of the Qur'an.
Also it is mentioned in a hadith of Sahih Muslim from Abu Umamah radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said اِقْرَأُوا الْقُرْآنَ فَإِنَّهُ يَأْتِي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ شَفِيعًا لِأَصْحَابِهِ Read the Qur'an for it will come on the day of judgment as an intercessor for the people who used to read it. It will come as an intercession for the people who used to read it. So the Prophet ﷺ said, read the Qur'an, for indeed it will come on the day of judgment as an intercessor for the ones who used to read it. In another narration it is mentioned, in Sahih Muslim, Uqbat ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, أَفَلَا يَغْدُوا أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ فَيَتَعَلَّمُ أَوْ فَيَقْرَأْ آيَتَيْنِ مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ مِنْ نَاقَتَيْنِ وَثَلَاثٌ خَيْرٌ لَهُ مِنْ ثَلَاثٌ وَأَرْبَعٌ خَيْرٌ لَهُ مِنْ أَرْبَعٌ وَمِنْ أَعْدَادِهِنَّ مِنَ الْإِبِلِ If one of you was to go to the masjid and read and learn the Qur'an, or two ayat from the Qur'an, you go to the masjid and you learn or read two ayat from the Qur'an, that is better for you than two camels. In those days, the camels were luxurious, expensive things to have. Like you might think these days, two expensive new cars. In the hadith it says, two ayahs. Go to the mosque, sit down, learn and study and read two ayahs. That is better than you being given two camels. Luxurious and precious items, better than being given two new cars. Learn two ayahs of the Qur'an, read them. And it says also in the hadith, learn three ayahs of the Qur'an and read them better for you than three camels. And four, four camels. And however many ayat you read, better for you to learn and read those ayat than the equivalent number of camels. Like you may say nowadays, go and read a hundred ayahs of the Qur'an, learn them, study them, better for you than getting a hundred new cars for free. Better for you and more reward for you and greater for you in uh, your recompense and the reward that you get for it with Allah, than getting hundreds of free cars, getting hundreds of free camels. In another narration, Sahih Muslim from Abu Hurairah, it says, مَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتُلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ There is not a group of people who come together. They go to the masjid, they sit and they read the Qur'an and they study the Qur'an. إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ Except that the serenity and tranquility and peace descends upon them. وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ And the mercy envelops them. وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ And the angels engulf them, envelop them. وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهِ And Allah mentions them to those who are in the heavens with Him. Or in the heavens amongst Allah. Or that Allah is above them all. But the others who are in filmala al-a'la within the heavens, Allah mentions it to them, those who are there. Waqala sallallahu sallam and the Prophet also said, Ta'ahadu al-Qur'an fawaladhi nafsi biyadih, lahuwa ashaddu tafallutan min al-ibali min aqulih, or min aqulihah. Learn the Qur'an or be persistent and constant with the Qur'an. Because by the one whom my soul is in his hand, it will flee from you quicker than the camel flees from its uh, tied up place. As soon as that rope unties, the camel will run and flee. This Qur'an similarly, if you don't constantly revise it and read it, then it will disappear, you'll forget 
what you have memorized, you'll forget even good recitation if you don't read for a long time. So you must continuously be with it. In another narration of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, the Prophet said, مَنْ قَرَأَ حَرْفًا مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ فَلَهُ بِهِ حَسَنًا وَالْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا لَا أَقُولُ أَلِفْ لَا مِمْ حَرْفٍ وَلَكِنْ أَلِفٌ حَرْفٌ وَلَا مُنْ حَرْفٌ وَمِمٌ حَرْفٌ In this narration, in At-Tirmidhi, the Prophet said, whoever reads one letter of the book of Allah, then he will get a reward. And every reward is multiplied by ten. So you get ten rewards for every letter you read. Then the Prophet said, I don't mean, I don't say, that Alif, Lam, Meem, when you read that, I don't say Alif, Lam, Meem is one letter for ten rewards, but actually Alif, Lam, Meem, Alif is one letter, Lam is one letter, Meem is one letter. So Alif, Lam, Meem, that one word already three rewards, and every reward multiplied by ten, thirty rewards, just on the recitation of that one word, Alif, Lam, Meem. So this is the great reward, of the one who recites the Qur'an. If you look at the example of the Salaf and how they used to recite the Qur'an, then you see that they used to give a great deal of importance to it during this month of Ramadan especially. And outside of this month generally, we mentioned before the last time, Al-Imam Al-Bukhari used to recite the Qur'an in Ramadan 30 times. Finish it 30 times in Ramadan. That's one every day. If you look at Imam Shafi'i, it is mentioned about him, he used to finish it 60 times every Ramadan. 60 times completing the Qur'an. Others from the Salaf, it is mentioned, they used to finish it 10 times in Ramadan, once every three days. Once every three days finish the Qur'an. This is how much importance they used to give to the recitation of the Qur'an. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 40 times finishing it all, beginning to end just in this month of Ramadan. So imagine that, how much effort they put into the Qur'an. Because they knew of the great virtues and the great uh, blessings and the reward that a person receives from this Qur'an in reading it, in understanding it, in learning it. Hence they used to put that time and that effort in to the recitation of the Qur'an. We'll have to conclude on the short reminder today. We've run out of time. Uh, the booking is short today for the whole. So that short reminder regarding some of the virtues of Ramadan, some of the things to bear in mind with this fasting, some of the rewards and some of the points of benefit and the wisdoms that you're supposed to take from fasting, from the taqwa that you're supposed to achieve. And also with regards to the Qur'an and to focus on it, half of Ramadan still remains, so the opportunity is still there for a person to strive with his reading, with his worship, with his obedience. And in particular, the last 10 nights of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ used to strive even harder. Those last 10 nights of Ramadan are the best nights of the whole year. There are no other nights better than these last 10 nights of Ramadan. So a person strives in these days that are left now for the last couple of weeks to ensure that you come out at the end of Ramadan better than what you entered into it as. So we'll have to conclude on that for now then.